Well, like I said, the communists, they're gonna take all the money and then they're gonna disperse it amongst all the poor people so they can buy potato spuds and buy vodka, which is all Hold on a minute, hold on. Hey, 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 listen. We paid you your $10, all right? Just read the fucking script. But, but, but this won't buy read me- Read the fucking script! All right, warning, this podcast contains- What the hell's a podcast? Read the fucking script. Contains adult language. Mature situations, sunglasses, a teleporting street preacher, the greatest street fight ever, people who ain't from Cleveland? How the fuck ain't you from Cleveland? Who knows? Some subliminal, 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 some, some subliminal messages, and, and a bum with kick ass one liners. Listener discretion is advised. Now, where's my 10 bucks? Gave it to you already. Episode 6, Deviating from the White Line. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Movie Review. I'm your host, Zahn. How you doing today? And with me as always is... I'm Cal. And our special new guest host for the day... Hello folks, I am Curado. Yes, welcome aboard, Curado. Thank you, very good to be here. Yes, in the hidden dungeons where no one knows us, which is much better than the... Patasaurus Preserve under the ground, which is run by one Sean Chapman, or whatever the hell his name is, Paul Chapman of the Greatest Movie Ever podcast. <clears throat> Let's not speak of him. Yes, he is a taboo subject on this podcast, but again, we're getting off topic. For those who don't know, Sparkin is a site that provides information and reviews about movies, and you can find us at www.sparkin.com, and you can email us at sparkin at gmail.com, or at zan at sparkin.com or if you really want to be creative and send lots of love letters and or rants to him cal cal.spirakin at gmail.com yep and also if you really want to be interesting and cool you can leave us a voicemail at 206-350-8462 or you can check us out on twitter under spirakin and well if you have an xbox live account I am playing under zan space spirakin I'm currently playing I think red faction Gorilla or Lost Planet 2. I have no fucking clue. I am bored. How's Lost Planet? Ugh. First one was better. <laughs> hmm. uh, so what's new with you, Cal? We heard you went away for a while. You disappeared. Yes, I did. I went to Europe and now I'm back. 
and uh, had a great trip, except for one minor mishap with uh, getting to one of my destination points. I'm not going to elaborate. Did you but, get boobies? Yeah, but... That yeah sounded like no. <laughs> not as much as I wanted, let's put it that way. Ah, uh, oh well, the boobies. Next time you'll get the boobies. Yeah, next Or time. if you want, or if one of you lady listeners would be interested in helping Cal out with that, again... Cal.spirekin at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember, you have to be over the age of majority in your country. How does that work if you're there from other countries? And it doesn't matter. It's, it's by the country that you are in. <laughs> the country that, yeah, that you're currently present in. Yes, now that they're in. The act, the, wherever the act stays, the, the act Exactly. Oh. And how are you doing? I have Carole? a passport. <laughs> and it's valid. We should start putting on stripper music and we're like, now for twenty nine 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 you can get your own cow. Complete with Should have tryouts like the like the Dark Knight. <laughs> oh, tryouts like the Dark Knight. <laughs> what, you're gonna have a freaking dildo between the two of them and like the first one to come wins? Is that what you're gonna do? I don't know. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, so how are you doing, Corrado? Corrado is well, thank you for asking. You're well, you're good. Let's have Corrado talk about himself. Yes, tell us a little bit about yourself, Corrado. Oh, Corrado's a very private person. Mostly work, little play. But I'm glad to be here today to talk about a movie that uh, I rather enjoy. We should get into the crux of the matter, what is important with this podcast. Because you're not here to listen to us ramble. Well, you are here to listen to us ramble and rant and rave and curse out different other podcasts and also just, well, bash things. But let's get into what we do. Because if you remember from the last episode of the Spark Movie Review, we rolled the Dodecahedron of Movies. And it dictated unto us that we would be reviewing an awesome movie, a great movie, a movie by a great man, a man known as... John Carpenter. Directed by John Carpenter and written from a short story by Ray Neville. It's starring... Roddy Piper and Keith David. And came out around 1986? 88. 1988. And that movie is... John Carpenter's They Live. Yes, They Live. A very weird movie, a very screwed up movie, but it has so much cult following behind it, it's insane. If you play a Duke Nukem game, if you play any shooter game, you're going to hear a reference to this fucking movie. True or false? Very true. Huge cult following. I believe it has uh, fantastic ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yes, it's just a great movie. It's just a movie that you can watch just watch over and over again. And Cal, this is your first time watching this movie? Yeah, I'd never seen it before uh, the purposes of, of doing this review, and it... Uh... Did not disappoint, put it that way. Do you want to buy it? Yeah, But we'll get into that, we'll spoil that. Right yeah, let's not, let's not get into so, that yet. So, you're probably wondering, what the fuck is this movie that they're talking about about? I've never heard of it. What is the 80s? Well, first off, we feel very sad for you because the 80s was a wonderful time when money was worth too much and there were rich people and poor people. Kind of like it is now. And there are people living in shanty towns. Just like it is now. I pass the shanty town every time I go to work. So I think that, well, it's pretty much like... But Keith David doesn't live there, so it's really very inferior to this shape. Well, do you happen to pass by hobos that tell you to blow it out your ass? <laughs> yes. Blow it out your ass! Yeah. Uh, so Every day. Surprise me. So this movie takes place in the 80s in some town. They don't really explain, but we can assume it's L.A. I still say it's Detroit, but... No, because at some point in the movie they reference having been in Detroit. So, we'll say it's L.A. or some West Coast town, because there is obviously an ocean line, and there's... Be, being, a, being an indie film, no doubt it was filmed in L.A., but God knows where it's actually meant to be. 
we, the original story was in some non no name town. We'll get to the original story after the basic movie reference review. So what happened is so what happened is that we're introduced at the beginning because we see this train that looks really crappy. And we see a bunch of graffiti on the wall which says "They Live," which is kind of cool. That's a nice way to open up a movie. We have the actual title spray painted as graffiti, and you don't really know what the hell "They Live" means. I mean, is it means or monsters? What the fuck? And so we see a bunch of trains, and we see guy with a backpack. And this man is certainly not wearing a kilt. Yes, it is the one, the only iconic Scottish wrestler, Roddy Piper. Now, for those who don't know, Roddy Piper is, well, a wrestler from back in the day. He's been around WWE when it was WWF, and he was a heel. He was a badass, war kill, beat the shit out of people, including Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, and... Hulk Hogan. They brought him back recently. Yeah, again. Yeah. And he keeps coming back for Piper's Pit. He's a very cool guy. He's a badass. No, I was actually I was actually impressed with his acting in this movie. Yeah, you didn't hear his action. He was really good. I think he just he's just a genuine talent, I think. Yeah, and in this movie, he's not a heel. He's not a bad guy because he's just a normal guy who just he's looking for work. We find out when he goes to the employment office where there's a lot of destitute people, including a guy with one leg in a wheelchair <laughs> with glasses for no fucking apparent reason. <laughs> he wheels himself in, and we found there's no jobs, and he's been working. He's from Denver, Colorado, <laughs> and he had a job for no. He said he worked at a bank, I think. Could you see Roddy Piper working in a fucking bank? Oh! I could. I'd go to that bank. Yeah, but imagine if a, a robber came to the bank and was like, Hey, give me all your money. Roddy Piper would just stand there, catch the bullet in his abs, crush it, and then the guy would just melt out of pure fear. <laughs> I mean, seriously, who would not want to keep Roddy Piper as your bank teller? But he gets fired, and so he's walking around. He gets a job at... A construction site where he meets the second particular character, who is none other than the arbiter himself, Keith David. Yes, and for those who don't know, Keith David is a guy who does a lot of voice acting, but he's also the man. Yeah, he could be anything he wants to be. Keith David is awesome. He could be a, a guy who works at a research facility. He could be a giant wild boar named Akoto. He could be a bum. He could be a, a covenant elite. He, he could do anything. He, he could be an anthropomorphic cat. He could be whatever he wants to be. And in this movie, he is a shop steward wearing a gay pink. Well, for him, it's Pur purplish pink. I don't know. Pink, purple, it's one of the two colors. Wife beater. He and pulls it off, though. You still don't want to fuck with him. Oh, yeah. So, he ends up getting the main character. We don't really get a name, but it's referenced in the end credits. His name is John Nada. And he gets Nada a job at the construction site. And then, that night, well, what happens after that? Well, Nada being a naturally curious person, uh, stumbles upon a secret at the shanty town. A terrible secret. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, because huh? he ends up at the shanty town after following Keith David's character with, he says, if you want, we'll get food. John Nada doesn't do anything. Then he ends up following Keith David, and Keith David says, I don't like nobody following me. Unless I know why. <laughs> Very cool scene. This movie is insanely quotable. <laughs> and then Nada responds by saying, Why well, don't join up with anybody? 
Unless I know where they're going. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. So he ends up in this shanty town, which, if you've seen one shanty town, you've seen them all. Should we? D- but this one holds a terrible secret. Do you think people know what a shanty town is? Just in case. Well, for those hey, for those of you who are under the age of well, or who live in nice cushy houses with cars and other things, a shanty town is well, a, a kingdom made of boxes, basically, and yeah, garbage. A makeshift community where homeless people just kind of congregate and start building little shelters for themselves out of whatever random things they can find. And- Originally, it was called Hooverville back in the 30s. Because Hoover kind of fucked up everything, and well, right. and there's rumors that we might go back to Hoover towns soon, with yeah. the recession and everything that's going on. But so all these people are living there, and as he's getting there and getting some good and yummy food, which looked actually kind of cool, good. But he was getting all the fucking food. You said he was a greedy son of a bitch. <laughs> well, he took extra, then nobody else got it. Offered extra. It didn't look bad. You had the bread, you had peas, and then yeah, some. Generic meat, I'm sure. It's just, Some it's just kind of carb. What do you got? Great F meat. He's <laughs> got to keep up his physique somehow. It's a government cheese, and he does a lot of walking. He burns off all his body fat, <laughs> and I guess he just does push-ups along the road. <laughs> what did he eat beforehand? Dude? I don't know. What did he just consume the air? Like, give me air, and I will live forever. Or was he like the fucking Terminator, just walking, walking, walking? Yeah, I don't know. He, Who knows? Pretty good shape for a guy who's. Uh, out of work and you know yeah, no place to live his own, his own sense of self-esteem is more than sustenance enough <laughs> exactly <laughs> he just he follows the right rules he follows the rules he believes in America he believes in it and he's not a bad guy I mean yes he's kind of creepy and weird where he's like I'm not going to talk to nobody I'll do what you say to but he's not really getting in a fight and then he sees at the church by the shantytown weird things are going on there's some the awkward hours being kept at that church. That, that's what draws his attention. And after some very intensive investigation, which is just him walking into the church <laughs> with at anything. And just, tripping and finding a secret room. Yeah. He finds a bunch of boxes in a what looks like a meth lab. <laughs> Do they ever explain how they figured out how to make those? No, 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 they didn't. But you see on the wall a spray paint which says, They live when they sleep. What's that mean? <laughs> That's ominous. Well, we'll see. So then, afterwards, Nada, being the slick, cool guy he is, proceeds to get some binoculars from a guy. Oh, I think we're skipping a major point, though. The, uh, the TVs and everything showing these cryptic... Yes, um, these cryptic, these cryptic uh, messages that they keep interfering with broadcasts. Yeah, saying that, oh, they are controlling our minds. We are cattle to them. You must wake up. You must wake up. Yeah. With some weird guy who has a weird chin beard and looks ugly as fuck. I wouldn't want to listen to him either if I heard some guy going, you must wake up, and one bum changes the channel, tells him, blow it out your ass. Yeah, so they, no one's paying attention. But the one thing which is interesting is that when they're watching this, their heads start hurting. They're like, oh god, I got a headache. And they don't know why. Kind of confusing. Maybe this is a plot point. I don't know. But, so, either way, as we get on, what happens is that next day, he decides to stake out this church. Now, first off, I'm wondering, didn't he have a job he had to go to? He just fought to get a job at the construction site? Why the fuck isn't he there? 
Hey, maybe the next day was uh, Sunday or something. Well, he doesn't have a lot of bills to pay, and I guess it doesn't take a lot of money when your primary focus is beating the shit and shooting people. Ah, <laughs> uh, true, true, true. So he proceeds to stake out this place after getting goggles from some kid asking favor, or I don't know what he did. He's probably like, if you don't give me those those binoculars, I'm going to kill you and eat your soul. Yeah, how did he convince those, that kid to give him the binoculars? Mm. What do you think, Corrado? Gave him head? That's actually because he had that smile on his face, so maybe. Yeah, and he kind of like wiped something off his, you know, his, his lip when he got up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but then he proceeds to watch the church pretty much all night long. It was very reminiscent of the Terminator, actually. He uh, just sat there all night long, staring through the binoculars at this church. It was very funny. I thought <laughs> his position didn't move at all. Another key moment in the movie, actually, because it was a fantastic line. He revealed to Frank that uh, there was something going on over at that church. And uh, Frank said, leave it alone, man. Ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. I walk a white line the whole time, nobody bothers me, and I don't bother nobody. And he responds by saying, White line's in the middle of the road. It's the worst place to drive. And then, very poignant. Very poignant and very true. So, you know, you don't want to be good or bad. And as this leads to the point throughout the movie, because it seems like Frank is constantly being like, I don't want to cause trouble, I don't want to be in trouble. And it kind of contradicts what Nada said originally, because he said, I don't want to cause trouble, I just want to just follow what's right. And then suddenly he goes all gung-ho. That's kind of weird, but... Well, no, he follows what's right, and obviously him seeing what happens... Yeah, he, he you know he figures out something that he has to do something. He knows what needs to be done, and the only way to get things done in this case is to deviate from the white line. Yeah. Very true. So we see the man sticking it to the little guy. Bunch of shock troopers come up and raid orbital, the shanty town. Orbital drop, drop shock troopers. Yeah, exactly. ODSTs. ODSTs. Well, they proceed to destroy the shanty town completely. And not like little like, oh, we're just going to go and say, go away. You you don't stay here. Bulldozers and, you know, people in riot suits and, and the whole nine yards. And then they proceed to arrest a priest. It's a priest. Not he's, only do they arrest him, they kick his ass first. And he's not even touching little boys. And he's, he's blind. He's a blind priest. <laughs> and he's black, too. He's yeah. a blind, black priest. <laughs> they beat the shit out of him. I mean, I just mixed... That just makes it wrong on on two levels. Priest and black. Yeah, it just he beats the shit out of him and it's not even uh, and, and he's he's and the priest is constantly like he's quoting things and he's seeing things that he's not seeing. It's kinda prophetic almost. Because he's one who's saying like Yeah, at the beginning of the movie, that same priest, you see him at the street corner kind of, you know, preaching the same mantra that you see in the uh uh, on the TV, you know, people they, they, they're controlling us, blah 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 that whole thing, and, and uh, Roddy Piper's character he listens to this, and he really just you know, kind of dismisses it, he stops listens for a second, and he's like uh, he just doesn't pay any mind to it really, but. and then later he bumps into him and the priest immediately, the first thing he does, he feels his face he's like, let me feel your face, let me feel your hands okay, you're a strong, you're, you're a working man, fine which means there's something... I mean, most times a blind person will feel your face to see what you look like, but maybe there's something, see, like, there's something else going on. Like, right. you can maybe feel something. After 
Nada decides to hide out with a crack addict. Who asks, did they start World War Three? The next morning, the shanty town's been destroyed. Everything's gone, and the entire church has been dismantled. All the graffiti's been wiped over with a with white paint. All the tables are gone, and all the boxes are missing. However, there's a secret room that Nada discovered uh, the first time he was in the church. And um, when the, the, the cops and the riot people were, were clearing out this, this church, they must have missed this room. So he goes back in there and kicks the fake wall down, and he discovers this box. And he opens the box, and it's filled with nothing but sunglasses just generic black sunglasses like blue blocker sunglasses you can get at any well street corner vendor or dollar store yeah yeah and being the smart frivolous person he is he throws in the dumpster but keeps one for himself i would have taken him set up a street corner thing hey what is a pair of sunglasses five dollars five dollars yeah he does need money yeah when you get the legend uh being the curious person I am, I probably would have found out what they were for, which is exactly what he did. Uh, and with astonishing results. So what happens when he puts on his glasses? He sees a sign which says, Amen. That's kind of weird. And ominous. And then he looks around and he sees more signs. And they say things like, Consume. And, uh, and there's one, <laughs> the one that made me laugh the most <laughs> was it said, uh, Marry and reproduce. That one cracked me up when I saw that. Yeah, and there's all these other things. He's looking around. He takes the glass off. Everything's normal. Puts the glasses on. All the signs, all the different... So basically, any text or any signage, any billboards, news articles, magazines, they're, they're all, the, all the stuff that you see when you look at it, when, he, when you look at it through the glasses, you see these subliminal messages saying obey and sleep and no independent thought, things like that. And as he looks in, he sees also a thing reading a newspaper. And, well, first off, immediately to my head, he's like, wait, if that thing is able to see through this veneer, why is he reading Obey? Yeah. That kind of that kind of didn't really make much sense. Yeah, it's like maybe they have reverse glasses where they could actually see this subliminal. So like, I'll read this article on, on hunting man with knives or something <laughs> like that. Maybe there's another frequency which they read something completely different, like the stock exchange on human souls. We don't know. But these weird things are walking around among us, and we don't even see them. Well, we see them, they just look normal. Yes. They look like normal humans. Through like this perception, perception filter, which is filtering it, so we don't really notice them, we don't pay attention, we just see a normal human being, a normal man, normal woman, whatever. And all the text is covered, and we see this other stuff too. And also money, which if you look through the perception filter you see it says this is your god very consumer-esque very 80s propaganda where it was the I mean, maybe that's maybe that's uh, john carpenter's uh attempt at, at you know some kind of social commentary there i think it was because the fact is the whole thing is it's you got the social class because the rich they're saying are these aliens who control everything and the poor are even getting more poor and that's everyone else maybe they're saying he's saying we have to uprise against the rich we got to describe what the aliens look like or what they in quotes look like so they're basically almost kind of like decayed corpses almost big buggy guys yeah if you ever played area 51 for the playstation one that's what they look like exactly that's exactly what they look like they're almost identical except we don't see the color and either way besides but this is a very in-depth topic of what he did going over all the insanities in this just well the fact is, you have the lower class, upper class, this whole battle between is 
It doesn't seem preachy, though, in this movie. Not too much. I mean, a little bit, but... Yeah, I don't think it overwhelms it. I think it actually... You only really notice it if you really think about it. Otherwise, it's just kind of, you know, just an enjoyable movie. And, and this is also when the movie gets really cool, because as he walks into a store, he sees this... Bumps into this one woman, and there's a little altercation. And she's, well, a little perturbed by him. And when he looks in the glass, he sees this freakish ghoul. And he says the smartest thing possible. I'm sorry, I was thinking about bubbles. <laughs> oh, right, the line. You know, you look like your head fell on the cheese dip back in 1957. And she's like, <gasps> and then he looks at another woman and says, Dude, you're okay. This one, real fucking ugly. You see, I take these glasses off, she looks like a regular person, doesn't she, huh? Put them back on, formaldehyde face. And immediately, this woman, she grabs her wristwatch and says, I've got one that can see. And suddenly you see all the other ghouls are doing the same thing where they have their arm horizontal and they're talking in their watches and describing him. And he does, well, Ada kind of, he's like, I, this, isn't, this isn't good. Not good at all. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And as he's walking. So keep in mind, why did, even at first, before he even said formaldehyde face, why did, he, why did she know there was something weird about him? And the reason is that they're used to all the other humans. Whenever they say anything, they all always just obey and just don't question anything. And since now he has these glasses and he's, you know, his mind is clear, he doesn't just go with the flow and obey. And obey. also saying, these glasses, when I take them off, everything's normal. I put them on, she's got a formaldehyde face. Well, even before he did that, she was pissed at him. But she bumped into him first and she was a bitch. <laughs> I would have slapped her across the face. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> That's how you got arrested the first time. Let's not talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I will have to add the censor to that. <laughs> Either way. So what happens is he's walking around. He sees a woman primping herself up in the mirror. Like, you see a lot of girls used to do with their stupid hair. They're looking in the, their reflection. And she looks at one of those freaks. Not a laugh. And says, That's like pouring perfume on a pig. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> and then the cop proceeds to tackle him and to drag him into a alley, which ends in the cop getting shot with a giant magnum, <laughs> which is always fun. Broad daylight. They the try <laughs> detaining him. He sh gets their gun, shoots Nobody them cares. both, and, and and they're both these things, so doesn't matter. And then he goes, gets the shotgun out of the police car, and then he goes on a small rampage. Did we mention this movie was made by John Carpenter? <laughs> Yes, this is a signature to his work. And as he's walking around with his shotgun, he walks into a bank. Now I know what you're thinking. You should rob the bank. No, he's not there to rob the bank. He's not even there to stage a protest. What is he there for? Well, it's not to molest children, that's for sure. <laughs> that comes later. No, it's not there to do that either. It, he is there for one reason and one reason only. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And he proceeds to kill a bunch of these things, shooting them in the heads and in the arms with a shotgun. And then one of them gets smart. He says, I'm in the bank. He's right there. And he's armed. And Piper, well, nada, turns 
looks at him, gets the shotgun out. Mama don't like tattletales. Blows him away. No, he doesn't. Is he about to blow him away? Suddenly a light shows up. Oh, no, who does he blow away? He blows away one of them. He blows away a lot of them. He, <laughs> he fucking shoots him right in the face. <laughs> you see, you see the back of his. You head know the one I'm thinking about, right? You yeah. know the one I'm thinking about. The one, yeah. the, the one behind the counter. The back, the back of his head just goes all over the wall. It's he like, kills like six of them, and the one escapes, and then he proceeds to walk outside and. Uh, He's running away because he knows they're after him. He's just because he, as opposed to thinking about where did this guy go, he just runs out, runs around, runs back in an alley. And in the alley, he sees another cop. And the cop is normal. He's not one of these freaks. So he just says, "Beat your feet." Makes him drop the gun. He runs away. And they sees this little flying thing, a little like surveillance camera, looking at him. He's we'll like, call him Droney. He looks at Droney and he's like. Hey there, little fella. You're there to tell him where I am. Not nice. He unloads his shotgun, which apparently has... He has the unlimited ammo code. Yeah, he's got the bandana from Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> he just doesn't run out of ammo. And so from there, he proceeds to run inside a garage, because he knows they know where he is, and he proceeds to kidnap a woman named Holly. And Holly is played by, well... Meg Foster. Yes, and if you've ever seen... Well, what movie was Meg Foster in? Nothing important. And nothing... Well, no, 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 no. She was in uh, Hellraiser. Oh, really? i never seen it. Yeah, she was in Hellraiser as uh, Blarg. What the hell was that? She was in Hell... She was in Blarg? Yeah, she was in Blarg. Ah. She's in The Scarlet Letter. She was in... She the... played Fat Guy, number two. Yeah, she was in Stepfather 2. She was in Blind Fury. What's the most recent movie she's done? Uh, Sebastian, which I've never heard of. Debbie does Munich. She was in the Man in the Iron Mask, which was a kind of, in Space Marines, Oblivion 2, and a bunch of other movies we've never fucking heard of and will never care about. She's just one of those actresses that if you need a bitch, you pick her. And she is taken hostage by Neda, and Neda proceeds to make her go to her nice super apartment where she admits, My name's Holly, and I work at Channel 54. Please don't kill me. And I'll, sit, I'll agree with whatever you want. And so he's like, look, I just gotta go to your apartment, I'll take a nap. And he tries taking a nap, and as opposed to what most people would do, which would be try to subdue your captor, she cracks him in the back of the head with a wine bottle and sends him out of well, the that's window. that's one way to subdue him. Well, no, she doesn't keep him hostage. She just knocks him out the window and he rolls out and... Well, I'm surprised he wasn't fucking dead. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta describe... The, the, the size of the fall he took, though. I mean, it's not like he just fall, fell out the window and, and like, the, the, the ground's right there. He falls down this huge hill. He takes a real big dive. It's, it's yeah. hilarious. I would, have merely, I would have merely offered him some of the wine, got him real drunk, put him in handcuffs, put a kielbasa up his ass, and then threw him out the window. Yeah. And laughed about it. <laughs> no, but she just does that thing, calls the cops, and says, No, I'm fine. This is My name's Holly Turner, blah, blah, blah. And he just kind of wakes up. And then he goes back to the construction site, and as he's going to the construction site, he notices everywhere, there's pictures of him wanted murder. And Frank's like, you gotta get the fuck out of here, you murderer. He's like, I just want, I need help, Frank. You're the only person I trust. And Frank's been kind of an asshole to him throughout the movie, ever since the Chantytown got destroyed. So, he goes back to the alley to get the glasses. He goes to the- sack because he can't have free food anymore. He goes and he looks... Well, he should go dumpster diving. And he proceeds to go dumpster diving looking for these glasses and they're gone. They're not in the 
garbage, which you kind of call it, Cal. You said, I mean, come on, you, you throw you just throw something in the garbage, come back for it a couple of days later. Be pretty. I think it was only one day. Probably. Pretty poorly run city if that garbage's still there. So he, uh, the convenient garbage truck about a block away, he just runs in and grabs it, and then binds <clears> the. I'm surprised he wasn't given what you call it to. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't arrested or smashed in the trash compactor or whatever. Really, he should have just. Well, first off. I'm surprised it was so clean. There was no food stuffs in there. It was just like paper. Oh no, papers! Actually, and a- wait a minute. When did the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie come out? Because remember when Shredder got knocked into the garbage? Yeah, he got crushed. Trash compactor. So how come there wasn't a similar trash compactor in this movie? It was just kind of a huge container. Because it wouldn't have served John Carpenter's <laughs> purposes. <laughs> and in this universe, John Carpenter is god. Uh-huh. And so he grabs his box of glasses and he's able to salvage maybe two of the glasses. So he's walking. He's in the alley, back in the same alley where he's been the entire time where he shot the cop, where he, and I'm surprised there's no police tape over this, where he hid the glasses and all this other stuff, and he sees Frank, throws him a wad of cash, says, one week's pay, and you better go hide somewhere and they never find you. Why is Frank being so generous to him? He just feels sorry for him, or, I mean... That's classic bromance right there. I guess. Yeah, you, you get this movie has that bromance feel to it, especially at the end. And so what happens is that he says, you better go somewhere and hide. And Nada's just like, you gotta try these glasses on, and everything will make sense. And Keith David, I mean, pretty much, here's a, here's a crazy guy who's plastered all over the city, wanted for murder, and you just threw him a wad of cash, and the only thing that he says to you is, try on these glasses. What do you think? I mean, are you going to try them on, or are you going to be like, uh, you're crazy, fuck you, goodbye? Well, if you're smart, you took put on the glasses. But Keith David, he doesn't put on the glasses. No. He tells him, fuck you, man. Don't put on no glasses. I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. I smell a street fight! Yes. <laughs> this is one of the greatest street fights in history. It is a long, it's like a five minute street fight between Keith David and Roddy Piper over putting on a pair of glasses. It was parodied in South Park and Cripple Fight. It's. It's probably been parodied elsewhere too. It has been, and it's insane and brilliant at the same time. <laughs> And it's, you think it's going to be over at some points? No, it's not over. It gets even worse. You know, it's almost staged like a wrestling match where it's, uh, there's there's false finishes, you think that the match is going to be over, and then they just keep going. Well, the rumor was that originally the fight was only supposed to be this long, and they choreographed this much. And what happened was Keith David actually connected to Piper's head. And Piper, being the fact that if you watch wrestling, he has a little bit of a temper. So what happened was he got pissed off, and attack Keith David. And as this fight continues going on, John Carpenter's like, leave the fucking camera on. Let's keep watching this. I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd buy that story. I just think that Keith David and Roddy Piper were probably like, oh, you know what? We This would be so cool if we did this and this and this. And then, you know, Roddy Piper with his wrestling background probably knows how to stage some pretty cool things. And- uh, well, I don't know. Because I think that when he, with the, I think what set it off though was the part with the two by four. I think that wasn't staged from that point on. I don't think that was staged. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because him hitting, he's like, oh shit, man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And then uh, Keith David would be like, I'm gonna fucking kill 
Oh, you ran him attacking him. We could describe this fight point by point, but you have to just watch it. Just watch the scene. It is it makes the whole fucking movie. It is the greatest scene in the movie. It's the scene you'll remember the most, and it is probably. I mean, this this part had me had me laughing out loud at certain points. Because there's so, so many good and cool lines. Like at one point. <laughs> Keith David knocked down Piper on the ground. For Piper's on the ground and Keith David's standing over him and Roddy Piper goes for a nut shot and uh, Keith David blocks it and he goes, <laughs> You dirty motherfucker! <laughs> Hilarious. Lane knocks him over and then, after tumbling around for a while, you see Keith David proceed. Or was it Piper who was. No, it was Keith David was kneeing Piper in the ball six times <laughs> and you're like, Oh! 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 And then he takes the glasses and says, Fuck you! <laughs> and puts him on him. And at this point, you'd think, okay, he's he looks like he's unconscious. They're just gonna spiral in and show two hours later. No. Piper gets up. And he runs, tackles <laughs> Keith David down. Beats the shit out of me further. File drives him. Puts a glass on his head and then shows him Persuasio Vision. Yeah, he finally, he finally gets the glasses on him. And, and now... Keith David's eyes are open to what's really going on, and now he finally believes him. And the cops are after them, so they end up running to a CD motel. And this is one of the best parts, I think, because most movies, you see a fight sequence, ten minutes later, the main character, even if he's been punched in the face, he just has, like, maybe a little bandage on his face, or he's got a little bit of blood on his nose. Nothing really catastrophic. When these guys walk into this motel, they are black and blue, big-faced, eyes are freaking half sw swollen but it doesn't last very long well it lasts that, it. that whole night sequence and it's like we don't know how long they were in the hotel for but they end up going in a hotel where when they walk in Keith David pretty much walked into the hotel beaten up badly bruised and uh, the hotel manager stared at him not knowing what to do and he just looked at him and said I want a room and what can you say to the guy except uh, pretty much nothing? He just grabbed the pencil out of his hand, signed the ledger, and that was it. It was just a very comical scene. Yeah, and then what happens is the guy who helped them out in the beginning who was working with the Resistance shows up and, well, gets him involved with the Resistance. Viva la Resistance! Yes, where it's humans versus... <laughs> and then from there, well... They cut your dick in half and serve it to a pig. Don't hurt your laugh and dance a dickless jig. That's the way it goes. In war, you're shut upon, though you die. The resistance lives on. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. We are nerds. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, just wait till we review that movie. Oh, once we get to the South Park movie, it will be insane. That's probably going to be a two-hour episode. Oh, yeah. So, from there, what happened Where were we? All right. Oh, yeah. Guy, where is it? Gary, Gabe, Charlie. What the fuck is the guy? Gilbert. Gilbert. Gilbert shows up. And he's the guy who helped them out in the shanty town. He's like, look, we're, so you found the glasses. And he kind of gives you a little bit of exposition about the glasses, not too much. He says, look, we're having a meeting. We need a couple guys like you. We're all humans. And they go there and they see this big dude who looks kind of like how Deke's going to look in ten years. <laughs> With a big fucking beard. And he goes, brothers, there's something new going down. He's holding a shotgun and he has a biker jacket on. They walk in to this place, and well, a bunch of people are there wearing glasses, and also they have the new, the newest thing in, a pair of contact lenses, which don't give you the headache that the glasses do. Because the glasses, if you wear them for long periods of time, 
you kind of will go, well, crazy. Because it feels like a knife in your, twisting your skull. And from then on, it's an assault against them and the resistance. And, well, I don't want to ruin the complete ending for it. Because, really, the ending is just kind of, what the fuck? But the stinger in the, it is hysterical. And so, overall, what do you guys think about the movie? I thought it was fantastic. I love that movie. I've always been a huge John Carpenter fan, but uh, this movie, I can safely say that it is definitely worth jerking off to in lieu of having sex with your partner. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty high praise. Let's that's, put it that way. Yeah, that's pretty high praise for a movie which was made in 88 and, well, kinda. What the fuck? is kind of what the fuck is love social commentary and a think, lot of... think about all the different classes of porn that it has to compete against and it still wins all the filthy stuff that, that, that's out there very interesting stuff the kinky and, stuff and funny, still... funny you should mention that because the last scene oh never mind just go out and watch it you'll yeah. see you'll, you'll see. see you'll see how's that for a teaser that's a, that's a good teaser the one uh, thing is this is based on a story by Ray Nelson in the original story, the whole premise is that a guy kind of wakes up and he gets a phone call because he finds that there's something weird going on. And he gets a phone call saying that at 8 o'clock in the morning, you're going to die. And from then on, he's trying to figure out what's going on. And it's this whole weird thing with the main character named John that... Uh, and it wasn't as adventurous or as unique as this film. It's like maybe, I don't know, it's like six pages is the entire story. It's a very it? short, a short story. It's, it's really it seems very Fahrenheit or uh, Slaughterhouse-Five-esque, the story. And this seems like that almost. It's a very trippy film. It's a very unusual film. Because you wouldn't expect this, with this plot, to be as good as it was. I think if any other actors played the main characters, this movie would not be as good as it was. I mean, if you had Kurt Russell as Nada, it'd still be awesome. But what if you had someone like Adam Sandler as Nada? Oh, that, that, I can't even picture that. Or Brad Pitt as Nada. Or... Uh, Brad Pitt, I couldn't see it either. Or Samuel L. as uh, Frank. Yeah, it's I mean, a, I love Samuel L. Jackson, but... But just not in this role. Not, yeah, not What here. about Denzel as? It, it just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. It Denzel's does, too smooth. The fa- this is lightning in a bottle. Yeah. That's how... How? Some people are just meant for indie films, especially at that point in their career. And this was an indie film. I mean, it wasn't made for that much money. It didn't win that much money, it's, but it's a cult classic, and it's pretty cool. And for that reason, I'm going to have to give this our highest rating, which is really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't watch this now, your brain will freeze, your eyes will swell up, and your soul will be forfeited to the ninth level of hell. Where, well, you'll be forced to watch episode one for all eternity while hearing in the background, Miss, I love you! Miss, I love you! Miss, I love you! <laughs> And what would you get? Hey, Deke, uh, Deke pointed out that, that recently it was the 11th anniversary of the day we all cut school to go see episode one. Oh, yes. <laughs> we were all there. Weren't we, all, weren't we caught afterwards? Like the principal called us in or called one of us in and said, hey, you guys were on TV. I didn't need to. I gave all my teachers advance notice that I was skipping uh, school to do that. That was a great day. It yeah. was. Deke ended up in... Well, he got in trouble because of, well, JT's moronicness. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I think all of us have gotten in trouble 
Oh yes, that was Thanks a great thing. moronicness at one point. Indeed. Uh, what happened to him? I don't think he's working at uh, BB anymore. No, he's there. I was just there. Doesn't look like he's, he's there. He's not on the at the front anymore. At the front desk. He's somewhere else. No, oh, well, who knows? Who knows? He just disappeared. JT, I've given him offers to be on this podcast and the other main podcast, which is Spark and Mong Review. And JT, well, every time he says, yeah, I'll hang out, it's kind of like, whatever. Never shows up. Yeah, and don't plan around him. If he shows up, he shows up. Yeah, so what would you give this, Cal? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo your five. I, I just really like this movie. I yeah. think everybody needs to see it. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. It's pretty cool. It's pretty unique. And to top it off, when you got a guy pull out a shotgun in a bag and say, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum, and then proceed to blow the brains out of the teller, it's kind of cool. And also see a great street fight where one guy smashes a 2x4 into a car and another guy breaks a beer bottle in response. I mean, at one point... At one point, the the street fight is so ridiculous that even the actors laugh. Yeah, it's it's completely fucking ridiculous, <laughs> That's but it's awesome. brilliant. The movie is fucking brilliant and cool and great, and there's not much else we can really fucking say about this. So, yes, that's it. Is there anything else really we could say? Final thoughts for this movie? Go watch it. Definitely go watch it. It's worth it. I loved it, and uh, if you're bored, I'll watch it with you. Yeah. Hey, you can send us emails. At Conform. Spot. No independent thought. Watch this movie right now. Yes. Obey. If you have any comments, concerns, or comments, or if you want to take up Corrado on his offer, email us at sparkin at gmail.com or zan at sparkin.com or cal.spirakin at gmail.com. Yes, and leave comments, concerns, love notes, death threats, or... Pictures of John Nada beating the shit out of Frank. Hey, I think that was a pretty even fight. I think Frank should have got his ass kicked. I don't know about that. Frank should have just put on the glasses. At one point, you were even saying, he should have just been like, what's up with the glasses? But no, he just was going to break the glasses. For me, that, that's just my own personal curiosity. I would have been so, like, what? what is the big deal with these glasses? But I could definitely see the motivation somebody might have for being, like, what is wrong with this guy? I'm not touching his weird glasses. And if you look on our main website, if you look, you'll see a picture of me, Corrado, and Cal all wearing the glasses. So we will see. So I guess that's it. I mean, is there anything? Well, you should definitely check us out at our main podcast, The Spark and Mong Review, which is every Wednesday. And this is released every Saturday, so it's kind of cool. And I think that's it for this episode. I mean, are we forgetting anything? Well, there's one thing that you're forgetting. Oh, yes, that one thing, the thing you've all been waiting for. And that is, of course, the one, the only, the Dodecahedron of Movies. Now, for those who don't know, a Dodecahedron is a 12-sided object. Kind of confused? And what happens is that, unlike in the Spark and Monography where we have the one, the only, the, the Wheel of Manga! We have, for this podcast, the Dodecahedron of Movies. And what happens is with these 12-sided dice, we have nine movies connected to it. Wait a minute. 12-sided? Only nine movies? No, there's a reason why. Listen. I'm going to check your math. No, the reason why is that, of course, as opposed to having ten movies, which is kind of cool, 
or 12 movies, which would be interesting. We've decided to make it a little more different with this podcast. So what we've done is, 1 through 9 is a different movie. And then we have 10, 11, and 12. And what happens is, if you roll a 10 with this dice, it is the host, myself, gets to choose what is going to be the movie for the next episode. If we roll an 11, it is a roll again. We have to roll again. And then there is a 12. And if 12 wins, the co-host of this episode gets to pick the movie that's going to be reviewed in the next episode of the Sparkin' Movie Review. And since this is, well, Curado's first time, he gets the role, the Dodecahedron of Movies. Oh my. To see what we're going to be reviewing in the next episode of the Sparkin' Movie Review, which will be released next week. Do we know when next week is? No, because this is released and edit recorded so far in advance, we don't even know what fucking week this is being released. So, roll the Dodecahedron of Movies. Number eight. Oh, it's a Belchan episode. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, I hated that movie. <laughs> no. Save it for the review. Okay, so for the next episode of the Spark and Movie Review, Cal, you get a break. All right, that's fine with me. And I get to review a great movie starring, well, Jessica Alba, Jennifer Gardner, Ashton Kutcher, Carlos Mencia, and a bunch of other people. None so, of whom I like. Yep, so next episode I'm reviewing Valentine's Day. Isn't that a new movie in the theaters right now? No, it's been released on DVD. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. Straight to DVD practically. <laughs> no, Enjoy no. Enjoy the movie. Uh, well, it was, it was better than Love Actually. Oh, God. But we'll talk about this next episode, so without further ado, I guess that's it for this episode. There's not much else we could talk about, really, unless you want to rant for four hours about, well, government cheese and the state of the economy, and, like, some person asked us, like, why, how come we don't rant like Manga Pulse? Well, the fact is, Manga Pulse does it enough that we don't really have to deal with their negative attitude, the fact that they don't like President Obama, or they don't like the whole thing with BP fucking up our environment by screwing up with their oil and the fact that you got liberals who are trying to get guns repressed and you have the fact that the conservatives are trying to get abortion stopped and all this other crap. Yeah, honestly, you know what? I, I don't really listen to a manga podcast to, to hear political commentary. I mean, it's kind of cool when you hear them rant about hippies and about communists and about uh, those religious zealots who come to the door and say, do you want to hear about Awake, a magazine which will teach you to be awake? Like, nah, after that, I'll watch They Live. <laughs> yeah. So. I guess that's it. Yeah, so, with that in mind. So this is Cal, and my favorite quote of the movie is when Keith David is standing over a bloody, beaten Roddy Piper, he slams the sunglasses on his chest, looks right in his face, and goes, Fuck you. And this is Corrado, signing off for now, just reminding everybody that the white line is indeed in the middle of the road, and it is the worst place to drive. And this is your Hosan in my fair quote. Of course, I have to go with the one which is spoken the most from this movie. There's something new going down. That's it for this episode of the Spark Movie. Thanks for listening, and as usual, we are going to check you out next time.
Whew. It's like a drug. Wearing these glasses makes you high, but oh, you come down hard. <laughs> 